Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, uh, City Mouse, Country Mouse, or Country Mouse, City Mouse, depending on who you choose to prioritize. This is the inaugural episode of our podcast, wherein I, the City Mouse, Nick Brown, will speak to my old friend, the Country Mouse. Kate O'Hara, here in Casper, Wyoming. And in principle, I'm coming from Brooklyn, New York, though this inaugural episode, I'm coming from very rural Minnesota. And we will tell stories to each other about city living. And country living. <laughs> yeah, there it was. I was hoping you'd chime in there. Uh, I have, as usual, because secret, even though this is the inaugural episode, we've recorded four other episodes. I will be, as usual, pouring myself a martini to begin this. I've already started drinking uh, vodka, coffee, and milk. Vodka, coffee, and milk. That's not quite a white Russian. Not quite. I don't have a full bar. I don't, I don't have a full anything. That's like a, uh, it's a sort of, yeah, it's, it's a discounted white Russian. It's a, it's a white Ukrainian. <laughs> so, Catherine O'Hara, just let's give ourselves a quick update in the week past. It's... Pretty quiet up here, but it isn't pretty quiet in the city. In the city, there's people protesting all over the place because of George Floyd's death, which is sad. Not the protesting, but the death. I went to a, a march and a vigil here in Casper. And it was well attended. Oh, yeah. And there were armed civilians lining the streets to... Uh, protect the protesters and to protect the businesses. According to them, um, they had automatic weapons and bullets strapped to their chests, and they were wearing tactical gear and staring us down. It was unnerving. Yeah, yeah. We had we had the armed guards, the armed citizens uh, here, and they pointed their weapons into the crowd. Really? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, vaguely. They, like, kind of vaguely, like, were, you know, they, they weren't, like, pointing, like, <laughs> like to, we didn't think they were going to open fire, but it's just, like, they kind of had them towards the crowd at one point. That's, yeah, I, it's hard for me to imagine vaguely pointing a gun. I, I feel like that is one of those few gestures that is innately precise, just because because <laughs> it's so fraught in the moment it happens. It is, it is. I had a, uh, I was with my friend and he went running up behind them because he was trying to get a picture. He was working for Oil City News and trying to cover the story. He was gonna run in front of the march so he could get a picture of the marchers coming towards, but he happened to be running up behind all these armed civilians and they had their guns and he like, startled them and they turned around with their weapons Jesus. like and i was and i just like screamed i was just like greg stop like don't run up on these dudes no. these i think everybody learned that in world war one you don't run up <laughs> on people with machine guns <laughs> well, he didn't even know he was doing it i don't know like, 26 million up. people died learning that lesson <laughs> don't don't or do <laughs> no, no 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 don't <laughs> oh well what if we did it with cavalry <laughs> i uh to inaugurate the day i went to a protest actually earlier today 
though, again, I'm in rural Minnesota right now. So it's a little bit different, but there were like a hundred, 120 people out there lining the streets and, you know, people would drive by and honk. And then because we were in town, because we're actually quite a ways out of time, this first episode is country mouse, country mouse. (laughs) (laughs) I like that title. Because I'm very far from any urban area right now, but because we were in quote unquote town, which is the nearest town to us, which is, you know, 11,000 people um, and it's half an hour away. uh, I wanted to get some food. And so I, I binge ate three McDonald's double cheeseburgers and you know I had a a dream last night about you and also about McDonald's oh yeah I was standing there trying to find something to eat off of the menu (laughs) but you were uh, but was I participating in McDonald's you were in a different part of the dream oh I see was it an erotic dream Nick, no, I mean. Well, that's fair. (laughs) Was it was it a neurotic dream? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Was was I in what way was I participating? Was I doing something? Was I doing something very day to day, or something absolutely bananas, or something in between? We we were just hanging out uh, outside, kind of alone. And you know, having a pretty good time. You're really selling it as an erotic dream. I know. Okay. I mean, it's so odd because, you know, if it were an erotic dream, the moment I woke up, it you know how you know when you wake up, every all that energy just dissipates like a balloon was popped. It's oh, like, absolutely. Right. And and who knows what the subconscious is up to oh yeah so it's just all gone now that's so it might have been for all i know i'm the object of your fantasies and for all you know as well (laughs) (laughs) so i thought we'd talk this first slash fifth episode about how we met and the reason that we might have stories to tell each other uh from a distance and and well, I don't know. Do you want to start or do you, do you wish me to? Sure. Sure. You were volunteering for the Gary Trauner campaign. Mm-hmm. He was a Democratic candidate, um, very red state, Wyoming. Yeah. I, I was volunteering for the campaign and I walked in and... There was the object of all your erotic dreams. <laughs> you, and you, I thought you instantly recognized me as... Uh, as, as someone to know and um we went to a party i took you to a party at the mayor's house you, with uh you did you took me to the yeah you took me to a party at the mayor's house and to be clear the mayor of casper's parties were essentially frat parties they were <laughs> they, he was a he was a young uh, cool dude yeah he threw he threw a kegger in honor of his constituents. And Catherine O'Hara turned to me at the end of this first night of the party and being one of two people I knew in Casper, because I came out to volunteer on this campaign knowing absolutely no one, turned to me and said, what do you think happens to us when we die? And then she paused and then she said, I think we turn into a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> 
a King James Bible. King James Bible. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, that was, that lacked specificity. <laughs> and then I went and stayed in a hotel where you told me that there had been a murdered fecophiliac or maybe a suicide fecophiliac. It was a little unclear. It was a lot. It was really libelous against the hotel. Right. <laughs> but it was clear, at least in your mind, that that there had been somebody who had taken great arousal from, you know, feces uh, and and just absolutely ruined a hotel room. And not- don't we all have a story like that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not. I mean, we know. We know an, an urban legend. <laughs> I, I know that it's nominally we're talking about how we met today in our history so that we can create some sort of mystery in future stories. But this just reminds me of a thing that I want to say as an aside, which is in 2008, I worked for an organization called Rock the Vote. And I was their photographer and their blogger. And they registered young people to vote and we were on tour. <laughs> And we had a DJ who was a really, really sweetheart of a guy, but also really liked cocaine. And we had a bus driver who was a real misfit and also really liked cocaine. (laughs) And one of the nights they were put in a room together and it was a room in like, just, it was nowhere, right? We were in, it was like a suburb of Cleveland. We were not, we were not, you know, blowing it out with the Beastie Boys or something. It was, it was, you know, Motel 8. And they were on the third floor. And they just absolutely trashed the room. It's the only time I've ever been involved in a hotel, or not involved, but adjacent to a hotel room trashing. And, I mean, there was a lot that struck me as curious about it. I, among other things, it's just like, there's nothing to do, right? So like the fact that the two of them ended up in this cocaine binge at like, you know, it must've been like 9.30 on a Tuesday, right? It was, <laughs> um, and I remember that they eventually went to bed because the bus driver, whose name was Gary, uh, he, uh, he tried to pull the toilet out of the floor and he strained his back. <laughs> But it wouldn't ever occur to me on a normal day-to-day passing of time that a toilet was a thing you could pull out of the floor. I've never attempted it. No, nor I. I think they're pretty firmly in there. I think it's good that they're in there. I like them. (laughs) Anyway, I was staying in a fecophiliac's hotel room or a hotel that was fecophiliac adjacent or perhaps none of these things and O'Hara was or perhaps none of these things and you were just disparaging a local business (laughs) I wanted to add a little color to your life I figured you were bored in Casper Wyoming I thought I needed to I was bored I was bored out of my mind and then you invited me out with a, a local painter of renown oh I invited you out with Tom Lepp yeah we went out for drinks together briefly, but Tom had to leave early. And you explained to me, I thought at the time that you did a really lovely job sort of encapsulating the lives of strangers in two or three sentences, or at least particular details about them, because you turned to me and I believe you said, 
you know, his brother killed his father and nobody ever chased him down for it because his dad needed killing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I want no more details of that story. That's all I want to ever know. (laughs) Yeah, there was uh, some Wyoming justice, I suppose. Um, But the brother, by all counts, like, uh, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. Okay, wouldn't hurt a fly, but murders human beings all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Flies. This guy loves them. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was his step stepfather. Well, fair enough. Okay, so and a, a professor, an art professor at the college. Oh, I didn't know that. Retired, I think, at the time of his death. Uh, we have some roads <laughs> named after his. Family. I think you could be pretty sure that he was retired at the time of his death. <laughs> <laughs> permanently <laughs> I, think, I think even if he hadn't been up to that exact time <laughs> you could pretty safely say he was as of that moment that's the Casper College retirement plan hashtag red state hashtag MAGA you send your stepson over to your house <laughs> so that happened and we had a marvelous, we had a little affair. We had a brief love affair, all this talk of erotic dreams. And yet there was truth in it in those early days when we were young and wild and reckless <laughs> and life was That's but a match was. burning at one end. How, how many years is it? I don't know. I don't know why a match would burn at two ends. I, don't, I think that might have been redundant. Actually, if you pitched that on Shark Tank, it would not go over well. <laughs> Just like a regular match, but you know how regular matches only burn at one end. You're wasting the whole end of a match. This is a two-ended match. Twice the fire. <laughs> Finger burner two thousand. <laughs> how how many years ago uh, did we? When did we meet? Well, it would have been two thousand six. Was when Gary ran for Congress. Oh. So that's fourteen years now. Wow, Nikki. I know. Some time. And shortly thereafter, you flew to New York, and I drove to New York, and that was when I first moved to New York City, a place where yeah. I've lived for the 14 years since. And then we lived together in Harlem, Morningside Heights area. Soha. And uh, you worked out. Yeah, and all the time. And you had some friends there. You're hitting the greatest hits. Uh, <laughs> keep laying them down. I'll keep picking them up. So, some, some dates. Yep. Um, you were trying to be an actor. Yep. I was trying to be an actor. Loved dates. We didn't. You had an air conditioner in your room. Yep. I had an air conditioner in my room. And you did not, if I recall. It was really hot. Well, I think that tells everything we need to know about the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then... We worked briefly at a bar with pennies all over the counter. What it, what it was going on in SIP is every... So this bar that no longer exists was run by two men who knew each other from a nightclub, Matt and Cy. And it was 110th and uh, Amsterdam, if I recall. And I feel like I was never trained at that job. It's actually... Um, reminds me, although there are so many more details of our history together, we'll leave those as a lacuna, though, to appear in future times. It does remind me of a time working in there that feels like a city story, albeit a brief one, 
that I will tell you right now, Catherine O'Hara, of something that well, happened to me when oh. we were living together. Oh, good. Which is, I was working the day shift and a man who his head was shaved. He was a, he was a tall, maybe six foot three willowy black man, like a dancer's body, but unbelievably tall. Like he, he looked, he reminded me of in his frame and movements. You remember Jack from a nightmare before Christmas? Yes. Yeah. It was that elegant and that long-limbed, it was like watching a daddy long legs in human form walk into things. And he, I don't want to stereotype and say he was very gay, but he was wearing a cape. And I, <laughs> We won't say he's gay. We're going to say he was wearing a cape. I will say he was wearing a cape. And I will say that when he came up to the bar, he ordered, I believe it was a Bellini. He said, I'll have a Bellini. And it was... <laughs> Did his cape move? Did he point in the... It was, I just remember, I mean, I remember that he had a cape, that he ordered a Bellini and then two things off the menu. And, you know, when you start a tab at a bar then and now, you leave a card behind the bar to have there. And I was checking on him periodically. You know, he finished a sandwich and he had his Bellini. And then he ordered another Bellini and he left it half finished. And I noticed, and I had thought he had gone up to go to the bathroom, which was in the back of the restaurant, but I hadn't been paying a lot of attention because I was so busy cutting up limes and lemons and oranges, (laughs) just juicing, just in my nightmare of juicing, my Sisyphean juicing death, you know, march. Um, And between limes, and it was a hand juicer too. It wasn't even an electric juicer. They didn't have the the, the oh no, we humanity to lever. offer us an electric juicer. Um, yeah, it was a lever-operated juicer. Oh, God, I hated that thing. I looked up and I noticed his drink is still half empty, but I haven't seen him for maybe 45 minutes. And I think... <laughs> wow, did this guy just skip on his check? But I think he can't possibly have skipped on his check because he left a card behind the bar. And so I talked to my manager and my manager says, well, you know what, run the card, he'll come back for it or something like that. And so I take out the card and I, you know, it's wrapped in his little receipt for his table and I run the card once and it says card declined. And then I look at the card and it's a, it has the little visa icon and it seems to be a visa card, but the name on the card is the Prince of Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you met the Prince of Harlem and you didn't even know. That's why he had the cape. Oh my God. It was such a glamorous check skipping notion. <laughs> Did he get a stack of those? <laughs> I assume he must have. It was, honestly, I felt like we got the greater reward just having gotten to host the Prince of Harlem, even though he skipped on his check. Do you have a, do you have a country story from around when we met? Country story um, when we met. Did you meet anybody? Because we did all of that canvassing going door to door in Wyoming. And I remember 
having a number of curious encounters with canvas with with people at their homes in Wyoming. And I assume did you you did that as well? I don't yes? think I went door to door. Oh, okay. Uh, so you yeah. I'm so not you, the kind to do that. Yeah, you you were you really half-housing the volunteer work. <laughs> I thought you guys needed more like uh, artistic moral yeah. support. <laughs> I remember that going door to door, and this is true outside of Wyoming as well. The people you don't want to talk to are the ones who want to talk with you. Like most people, when you go door to door to talk about a political candidate, they want to get rid of you as soon as possible. And those are healthy, normal people. <laughs> if somebody opens the door and you're like, hi, I'm here volunteering for Gary Trowner. And that person's like, well, it's about time. <laughs> Come on in. Yeah. That's, that is an interaction that is not going to go well. <laughs> Whatever it is, even if they like you. Yeah, so it's, why, it's why do it? I think that's probably why I didn't. I remember a guy at one of the doors being like, you want to talk about guns? Let's talk about guns. Come into my house. And I was like, no, <laughs> thank you. <That's> it. <laughs> I'll show you guns. <laughs> you ever been tied down while someone shoots at you? The a popular bumper sticker here is welcome to Wyoming consider everybody armed. Wow. It's less than a half a million people in the whole state. Yeah. It's the sixth largest state. I kind of like the idea that they're referring to anatomy there. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, we like to imagine everyone, even the armless with arms. (laughs) I see everyone as fully limbed. Doesn't matter if you had an accident. Doesn't matter if a bear mauled your shoulder. You're armed. You've got two arms, and they look perfectly healthy to me. And that's the Wyoming promise. <laughs> One thing that we might also mention about our time together in New York, and maybe we'll just leave this as the last sort of detail for today. Do you want to tell about your final job before leaving the city? The, was that the one I worked for the... The, gir- the girls that did Reiki, <laughs> Reiki and massage and uh, other treatments, modality. You're referring to prostitution though, right? Yeah. I mean, we obviously can't uh, know the names of these women. and uh, No, of course not. It was an illegal business and it was $300 hand jobs, basically. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, I feel like it's priced incorrectly, but I can't tell if it's high or low. (laughs) It was a, it was a mid range parlor. Um, I, I guess some of the girls got pretty big tips. The the narrative was was that it was a wall street gentleman that sort of just wanted a little touch and a little uh, hang time as well. Uh, You know, they, the way these gals did it. So these two gals, like they kind of, one owned it and then kind of passed it off to another one. Uh, it was, it was crazy. Uh, you know, the owner, so the first owner, you know, told me how it worked and these guys would knock on the apartment of the month, you know, cause they had to move quite often cause people would figure out what they were up to. And but when the man you know, knocked on the door, you answered it wearing a little robe or 
you know, a dress, a sexy dress, and you got the guy a drink, and then you changed into your crazy underwear, and then led him back to the room that had, it was painted pink, and it had sconces and doilies, and there was a massage table in there, so, I mean, that's when shit got real, I, I guess. Doilies strike me as a surprising detail. Well, it just looks very feminine. Doilies might be a stretch, but it was. It feels to me like a fifth grade Valentine's Day party is sort of the doily scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. Did they give them candy hearts afterwards? There, there were a lot of towels and uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, yeah, well, of yeah. course. I mean, that's. But, you know, uh, I. I mean, I sort of uh, worked for them on the periphery. I was more their friend, and they would give me money to like um, help move. And I would hear, and I would yeah. hear these stories, and I would meet some of the girls, like the employees, like like we would all meet at these nightclubs. And I was like country mouse. I was there in my overalls, but uh, these women were just insane. The way they looked, like I don't know where they got their outfits and their their hair and their nails and their jewelry. It was. It was a little intoxicating just seeing all that glamour and, you know, we had car services take us places. We had a slave named Larry. That was his title? Yeah. He, uh, the, the, the owner, uh, call her Jane, uh, she put a Craigslist ad, I believe, for a slave because we need somebody to wash the, the linens. The business oh. needed some hand washing, and that's what, and the floors needed to be scrubbed. Preferably while listening to uh, Venus and Furs, you know, that uh, Velvet Underground song, Shiny, Shiny, yeah. and like on repeat. And that. To be clear, you never told me about this while we lived together, because we lived together in a non carnal arrangement in New York. We were roommates. Mm-hmm. And this particular episode has turned out somewhat accidentally to be more sex driven than I would have expected, but go figure. Well, you know, it's the through line. Your erotic dreams. (laughs) Everybody has them, Catherine. It's all right. It means you're normal and healthy. It's just, it's just a part of growing up. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting because I I liked you so much, and I don't recall liking you that much in real life. But I yeah, liked true. you so much in this dream. <laughs> I don't think the air quotes that you put up are going to show in audio. <laughs> but for the record, there were air quotes around liked. Yeah. Anyway, we lived together for a while. And then you worked for a brothel briefly and sort of unknowingly as a sort of secretary effectively for them, right? And uh, moving, the moving man. Yeah, a secretary and heavy laborer. And for those of you who picture it, Catherine is actually quite waifish. She is not heavy laborer in this case, is... I is visually ironic. <laughs> Nick, uh, for everyone who can't see him, which is everyone. Not in Wyoming. In Wyoming, <laughs> we assume you're all eyed. <laughs> Consider everybody eyed. Uh, Nick is a is a former model, 
and he had postcards made up. They're called comp cards. Uh, comp cards. And there was one where he's sitting on a picnic table. So his seat is on the actual table and his feet are on the picnic bench. And he's very casual. And um, <laughs> I just, I, I think I took one of each postcard, like you had several different poses and I just took one of each for my private collection. <laughs> <laughs> I collect ephemera, uh, interesting paper. Uh, I cut out your face, put it on my dolls. <laughs> no, but I would, uh, so I had this uh, boyfriend uh, after, after I moved back <laughs> to Casper and he had uh, this little sister and I would tell this little sister about you and I would I showed her the postcards and uh the joke became you love Nick Brown ew no you love Nick Brown <laughs> and that's how we would tease each other is that you love Nick Brown oh oh that's so sweet I I, I feel so thrilled to be loved at a distance by a stranger in Wyoming yeah yeah, well, she didn't. She she thought it was. She said, "Ew, no." <laughs> yeah, well, that's the purest expression of love, isn't it? That's that's uh, those are the erotic noises Shara makes when we sleep together. <laughs> and they are erotic. Ew, no, is how I know she's enjoying it. <laughs> For the record, no means no, and that's not true. Shara doesn't do that. For the record. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to condone sexual, you know, non-compliance, non-permission structure. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's, it's, it's consent. Com- consent. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, yeah, there's, there's a critical misunderstanding if you arrive at conversations around relationships and sexuality and you mess up compliance and consent as your terms. <laughs> you got compliance. I need to act as my own lawyer and talk about my <laughs> compliance. <laughs> yeah. We call it the Kavanaugh method. <laughs> well, so we met in Wyoming. We moved to New York and you briefly worked in this house of ill repute and moved it around and i briefly had wild flings in the city for about 14 years and then all these years later i'm the subject of your deeply erotic dreams (laughs) so i think that gives everyone a reasonably adequate background for who we are and in future this will be less about who we are than things we've witnessed and the places we've been. Does that sound about right? That's about it. Now let's talk about some people we slept with, huh? Mm-hmm.